All right, I am so glad to be with you today again on the Chris Ann Hall Show live. I'm Bernie Thompson sitting in for Chris Ann and JC tonight. Uh, Maybe here again tomorrow night uh, if they'd like. I will be. Uh, I'll be ready. I'll tell you in a little bit um, how you can find me in case you enjoy what I have to say and uh, want to hear more about it. But tonight, what I really want to talk about is a concern that I have that I've had for a long time. And it continues to magnify. And it is, why can't we find uh, elected officials to step up and do the right thing, do the obvious thing? We saw it during uh, the last election when state legislators uh, did not stand up and do the right thing, when the courts, to include the Supreme Court, uh, wouldn't. What are they afraid of? Are they afraid of anything? I submit that they're afraid of the massive labyrinth uh, surveillance state. I mean, this is George Orwell's nightmare in real life. We're living it now. It is, uh, we have secret agencies that spy on us, that lie under oath. You got, you got people who go up in front of Congress and testify and outright lie under oath. And nothing happens to them. One of the biggest problems, I think, in these United States, and I've been saying this for a decade, is that for ordinary people, the punishment exceeds the crime, if it even is a crime. But elected officials, connected officials, those who have political uh, privilege, their real crimes are not punished. They're forgotten. And it is especially true now that the news media are no longer the news media, they're the marketing media, for the 90% of them that have been bought by six corporations. I've told you before, then you can tack on the New York Times, tack on uh, um, Amazon.com's Washington Post. It's unbelievable. And they are working in concert now with the Democrat Party. And it's not liberal anymore, by the way. I've told you before, don't, don't say liberals because it's not that anymore. They were opposed to a surveillance society. It was actually the Republicans who created all of this. I remember uh, after the uh, attacks on 9-11 and we kicked off the war on terror, right? The war on terrorism. I remember telling people back uh, way back then in 2001, I said, if you think the war on drugs has made the government too intrusive, on ordinary Americans that haven't done anything wrong, wait till you see what happens with the war on terrorism. And I couldn't, I mean, I didn't think it would get this bad this fast, but it has. And so last time I was with you, just last week, I shared with you what Tucker Carlson said the NSA was doing, spying on him. And it's uh, it's still going on. And he has uh, some updates on that that I do want to share with you. Because I submit to you that the reason that Congress members, uh, state legislators, the judges are not standing up is because they're afraid of the surveillance state. What will it take to overcome that? Does anybody have the courage to overcome what they can do to you? Let's take a look at, um, at this. And then I want to take a look just quickly at uh, Joe Biden's door-to-door plan to make sure that you're vaccinated. 
What is that all about? Do you know, I should have, I should have put this up for you. Uh, actually, I can show it to you in a minute. Uh, why don't we start with that? What the heck, huh? Let's, um, let's take a look at this. You're not, if you don't know this, you're not going to believe this. Um, all right. Here's my Facebook page. If you'd like to follow me on uh, Facebook, uh, it's the Bernie Thompson show. All right. And I'm going to make this full screen for you to see. Now, this is uh, Joe Biden. He's sending federal response teams to states with particular problems. And I've noticed that his eyes are dark as coal. It looks very different, doesn't it? It looks very strange. Uh, but he, he promises to protect you, see? And here's what he had to say uh, about it. Let's see if I Response right, teams is to continue to vaccinate the unvaccinated. We're stepping up the, our preparations to respond to the outbreaks we're going to see among the unvaccinated. For that, we're mobilizing what I'm calling COVID-19 surge response teams. These teams are made up of experts from FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and elsewhere across our government, other groups. And they're going to help states that have particular problems prevent, detect, and respond to the spread of the Delta variant among unvaccinated people in communities with low vaccination rates. And some states have very low vaccination rates. They're going to be able to do, we're going to deploy things like testing to expand detection of the virus, medicines to help treat the infected, and we're going to provide federal personnel to fill gaps in staffing and technical experts to help investigate outbreaks because they're going to happen in states with very low vaccination rates. And that not that something? Now let's take a look. Here's what I want to show you uh, as we take a look at uh, what I've had, what I have on my page here. But there's a reason I want to show you this. If you're not familiar with it, back in 2018, uh, this is what took place right here. Uh, this is from NPR. You can find it anywhere. In 2011, uh, one of the ways that Barack Obama wanted to find Osama, when Obama was looking for Osama, okay, they used a fake vaccine program, a fake vaccine program, a vaccination drive. It turns out that uh, you can actually uh, put messages in vaccines, and you can also uh, acquire DNA evidence through vaccination drives, which is what they were doing to find Osama. Um, and let's see if I can if I can show you the rest of this. Here we go. Look at this part here. So, but in 2014, all right. So in 2011, that happened. And then, of course, and this was in uh, Pakistan. So after the Pakistanis found out uh, that Obama, looking for Osama, was using a fake vaccination program, now they're less likely to get vaccinated, right? (laughs) That's what they're talking about here. So if you look at three years later in 2014, Obama's administration said, look, we're not going to do that anymore. All right, we're not going to use vaccines as a front to obtain intelligence anymore. All right, 
Now, my worry is they're not doing it any less. But I don't know about that. Not going to do it anymore. Wait, you were doing it? Holy sh! Can you believe it? Now, I can believe it. So, when pe- how many people do you think know this? How many people do you think know that the Obama administration used a vaccine drive to uh, get intelligence while they were searching for an enemy of the United States? That was 10 years ago they did that. Do you think they have more or less technology now? Do you think that this administration considers uh, 70 million Americans an enemy of this country? Well, they say they do. So if they used it to get Osama, is it with within reason to wonder if they would use it to get the greatest threats, the biggest existential threat to this country they've ever seen? Trump supporters. Um, it's, it's information that is certainly not being talked about and should be talked about and should be uh, questioned. But the government promises they won't do it anymore. Now, a lot, I hear a lot of people uh, concerned about this for reasons that, they, that, that are fair, right? Um, but you know what I see when I lift my gaze? G-A-Z-E, when I lift my gaze, G-A-Z-E, and I look ahead, here's what I see happening. In about a year and a half, what's going to be here? What's going to be upon us? The midterm elections. By, by saying that, oh, the next strain of COVID is four times worse. And we've got to make sure that everybody's vaccinated. We need to get that herd immunity and, and more, right? You keep that climate of crisis going so that, what? We can have the same election climate that we had in November, which is... It's not really, uh, we really shouldn't be leaving the House right now. And we've got to make sure everybody can vote. And so we need to get those mail-in ballots going and keep them going until we get enough votes. What I see is most of what they're doing, almost everything they're focused on right now is an attempt. And I fear it'll be successful because of all the surveillance on anybody who could put a stop to it in an attempt to make the election climate the same as it was in November. That is a very important thing I want you to start thinking about. Whenever you see a story, say, could this be a building block toward that goal? Because one thing the party cannot do, the uniparty, the one-party government cannot do, is lose a piece of their power. If they were to lose the House of Reprehensibles, Representatives, if they were to lose the House of Representatives, that would be a big deal. Um, And it would be a big deal if Republicans acted like Republicans. But you've got a multi-level situation going on here. You've got, uh, one, a surveillance state. You also have uh, people being targeted with digital fatwas on their head, basically. If if an elected official or a judge or somebody doesn't do what the rage mob wants them to do, well, then their picture is flashed all over 
the internet. And uh, basically, it's a digital fatwa. And and nobody wants nobody wants that. It's very dangerous now, especially that the government uh, sends their idea, all wearing black and black masks and with sticks and rocks and stuff and bombs, you know, like ideas do so often. They're very much like what happened ten years ago in Venezuela. They had Antifa as well. They had uh, a version of BLM as well. Um, And they were called, they still are, the Colectivos. The Colectivos worked with the government and they would ride motorcycles and somehow they had guns. And the government said, we don't know where they got them. Um, This was Chavez and Maduro still uses the Colectivos. So when you see rage mobs in these United States, uh, burning down cities and destroying buildings and all that sort of stuff. It really reminds me of the Collectivos. The goal is to cause as much chaos and havoc in as short a time as possible. And now they've got a year and a half before the midterm elections. And if there are fair elections, that terrifies them. So they have to set up a climate and an environment that is favorable to an outcome such as they got in November. That is what I see happening uh, with with this all of this. Now, let's take a look at the surveillance state. You've got a couple of, well, you've got more than a couple, but some serious, serious problems here. Everybody knows that we're being watched everywhere and always. And it is, it's a tremendous threat. It's a a violation of what? Of course, the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which makes it highly illegal. And if we had a country, if we had the rule of law right now, it wouldn't happen. And in a free and civil society, I submit to you that one of the most quintessential important rights is the right to be left alone. Some people call it the right to privacy. I've heard people say there is no right to privacy, Bernie. You can't point to it in the Constitution. There's no word privacy. Well, I think the right to privacy, the right to be left alone, is a quintessential American right. Unless you've done something and there is reasonable suspicion, probable cause, and all of the other things that are listed in the Fourth Amendment, you have the right to be left alone. Here's what I mean by privacy, by the way. I don't mean that you... um, Uh, that you can walk up to a crosswalk and change into your gym clothes and yell at everybody not to look at you. You have a right to privacy. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that you have the right to move freely throughout these United States. This is all part of liberty without being watched and surveilled and recorded all the time. That's what I mean by a right to privacy. That's a quintessential right. And when that right is lost, it's alter or abolish time. We're in serious trouble. Let's take a look uh, at Tucker Carlson. And uh, what he says is is going on. Uh, By the way, before we do that, I should take this moment and encourage you, if you haven't done it already, to subscribe to my YouTube page. It is The Bernie Thompson Show. It's spelled like that right behind me. Uh, Also, if you want to find me on Facebook, this is the way to do it. 
All right, now though, let's get back to to this, and I want to uh, I want to go to Tucker Carlson, and you're not going to believe you're not going to believe uh, what he has to say, and he's brave enough to say it. And I gotta say, I admire him very very much for this that he is brave enough to say this. All right, let's take a listen to Tucker Carlson. And I might cut in and, and comment. And, and you might get a couple of commercials as well. But let's do the best we can here. Tonight, last week, last Monday, we told you that the Biden administration's largest intelligence gathering agency, the NSA, had been reading my private emails. Even saying that out loud is weird. It's one of those segments we never thought we would do ever. But the country has changed that much that fast. And honestly, the whole thing was kind of shocking. The government was spying on us? Come on. It seemed crazy. But it's true. And no one in Washington appeared to be shocked in the slightest. In fact, the usual shills right after our segment had a ready explanation for it. Either it never happened at all, they said, just a cable news show lying for ratings, or there must have been a good reason it happened. And they began furiously making excuses for why the NSA did it. A powerful, heavily politicized spy agency surveilling journalists who've been critical of the regime? No problem. It's perfectly normal. Just don't call it spying. But it's not normal at all. It is third world. And as we told you repeatedly, it did happen. Now that has been confirmed. Yesterday, we learned that sources in the so-called intelligence community told at least one reporter in Washington what was in those emails, my emails. There was nothing scandalous in there, thank God. We're happy to report that. Late this spring, I contacted a couple of people I thought could help get us an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. I told nobody I was doing this other than my executive producer, Justin Wells. I wasn't embarrassed about trying to interview Putin. He's obviously newsworthy. I'm an American citizen. I can interview anyone I want, and I plan to. But still, in this case, I decided to keep it quiet. I figured that any kind of publicity would rattle the Russians and make the interview less likely to happen. But the Biden administration found out anyway by reading my emails. I learned from a whistleblower that the NSA planned to leak the contents of those emails to media outlets. Why would they do that? Well, the point, of course, was to paint me as a disloyal American, a Russian operative, been called that before, a stooge of the Kremlin, a traitor doing the bidding of a foreign adversary. And of course, I'm the, hardly the only person who's been accused of those things in the last several years. We've seen this movie several times now. At the same moment, the communist Chinese government increases its already stunning level of control over this country. Our leaders prattle on about the threat of Vladimir Putin. He's an evildoer, they tell us, a totalitarian dictator. Vladimir Putin does things that no American leader would even consider. He runs domestic disinformation campaigns. He lies to the public. He punishes people for opposing him or for believing the wrong things. He even uses intelligence agencies to spy on his own citizens, beyond the pale stuff. So no decent American would interview Vladimir Putin, at least no reporter from Fox News, that was the point they wanted to make. That's why they planned to leak the contents of my emails to news organizations. And yesterday, as noted, we learned they actually did it. Even now, some in the media are claiming that we deserve this. Emailing with people who know Putin, are you? Of course the NSA is watching you. That's what you get. But that's hardly the point. By law, the NSA is required to keep secret the identities of American citizens who've been caught up in its vast domestic spying operations. So by law, I should have been identified internally merely as a U.S. journalist or American journalist. That's the law. But that's not how I was identified. I was identified by name. I was unmasked. 
people in the building learned who I was. And then my name and the contents of my emails left that building at the NSA and wound up with a news organization in Washington. That is illegal. In fact, it is precisely what this law was designed to prevent in the first place. We cannot have intelligence agencies used as instruments of political control. Both parties used to agree on that. Democrats were especially adamant on the point. That's exactly right. I, I, I want to comment on this uh, just for a moment. I, I, we can't live together anymore. I mean, we can't live together anymore if we are really truly, uh, truly two tri uh, warring tribes, right? Where if, if every American or the vast majority of Americans don't believe in the rule of law, that the government should treat everybody equally, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you are black or white, straight or gay, fat or skinny, the fact that we have one side wanting to use the power of government against the other side, the law be damned, if there's no rule of law, there's no United States. It really is alter or abolish time. If this is happening the way it's happening, and it is happening just like this. It's so upsetting, I can't even tell you. And one thing that we can do, well, is if you're brave enough and do what Tucker Carlson is doing, do it anyway. Call them out, right? If they're going to do it, let them do it in the daylight, in the spotlight, in the sunshine. That's what you have to do. And um, and that's what he's doing. But here, here's what else we need to do is not get... Uh, caught up in the thick of thin things, not get dragged into uh, an argument that is not the argument. And Tucker did a great job here. So many times that we get caught up in an argument and somebody takes us off course, right? To say, oh, what are you doing talking to these people? Um, you know, you deserve it. All right, you're a threat. That, what Tucker did was so good, and we all can learn from it. The point is not whether or not you think we deserve it. The point is there is a law that forbids it. Okay? There's a law that forbids it. So whoever did it broke the law and belongs in prison. Not only... Do half of the people in this country not believe that? The ones who used to believe it the most, by the way, Democrats, they don't care about that. But we have to stay focused on that. Not whether or not we're right or wrong, or they're right or wrong, or we deserve it or don't deserve it. But the fact is, that is against the law. Now, when Congress dragged up uh, James Clapper and others a few years ago, and asked if they were using the NSA, using the massive surveillance apparatus to keep dossiers on Americans, they lied to the Congress under oath. We would go to prison for that. They don't even get a slap on the wrist for it. Why? A major reason why is because 
the Congress members themselves are being spied on, and I believe they are being threatened. I'm not the only one, as you'll see in a moment, when uh, Tucker brings on, uh, 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 who is it again? He brings on uh, Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald, the great reporter. But also, the extent to which the government is this out of control, right? This outside the law is the extent to which the news outlets are no longer reporting the news, but they're in on it. They've become part of the story, right? They're working in concert with their favorite political party, the only party right now. They're working in concert to destroy people that they don't agree with. The entire the entire episode is illegal and nobody gives a flip about it. So I want to get back to Tucker, but it is so important to remember that we have to stay on the important point, which is, that's interesting that you think that about me, but it's illegal, right? Do you support uh, bureaucrats breaking the law? Do you now support they do, by the way. They do support these secret agencies breaking the law as long as the ends justify the means, and that is that they get rid of the biggest threat facing America. You is essentially what it means. All right, back to uh, Tucker. But not anymore. So that's exactly what is happening here. We need to find out how this happened. Who did it? Who allowed it? Paul Nakasone would know the answer. Paul Nakasone is the highly political director of the NSA. Paul Nakasone would have been required personally to improve, approve my unmasking. That's how it works. Paul Nakasone should explain who asked for that unmasking, and he should do it immediately. Avril Haynes would also likely know the answer. Haynes is the even more political director of, the, of national intelligence. She oversees all of it. She may have approved the unmasking as well. She would certainly know who asked for it and who approved it. That's her job to know. She should release that information immediately, tonight. And if April Haynes does not release that information, she should be forced to release that information. We don't have a lot of power as a TV show, but we're going to keep pushing for that because it matters, not just to us, but to the entire country. You can't have a democracy in a place where unaccountable spy agencies keep people in line by leaking the contents of their emails, discrediting them with their own emails, which they thought were private. You can't, it doesn't work if you allow that. And we suspect congressional Republicans will also demand an answer. Many have finally awakened to the fact that the intelligence agencies, which they have blindly supported for so long, are not, in fact, their friends. They're not the friends of anyone in this country. They are dangerous. That's obvious. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here. Critical of the regime. All right. That is, um, it really is, really is amazing that we have in America spy agencies. And again, it really happened uh, with the war on uh, terror, right? The war on terrorism, to which I always, I always had a real problem with that, the war on terrorism, the name of it, because I don't believe that you can beat an enemy unless you can name the enemy, right? Terrorism is a tactic. And by the way, I want to talk about that just for a minute. But it would be akin to 
It would be akin to when we were at war with the Japanese in World War II. We didn't say we were in the in a war with kamikazeism, a tactic. No, we were at war with Japan. You got to be able to name the enemy if you're going to beat the enemy. This war on terrorism means there is no enemy with a face. And there's a reason they do that. But I want to mention uh, terrorism. And, and what is terrorism? And I'm going to suggest that there is a difference, by the way, between terrorism and extremism. Here's, here's the way I explain it. And I'd love to know if you agree. Terrorism, each of them have three important points. Imagine on one side you have terrorism and on the other side you have extremism and put a line down the middle, okay, in your mind as I explain this. Number one, terrorism uh, is, its goal is political. They have a political goal, all right? Well, let's start with this one. The first point under the terrorism column, is that terrorism is a network. It's a network. Extremism can be an individual, right? Like a Timothy McVeigh or whoever that, whoever that uh, law enforcement guy was about six years ago in California who was mad at his, uh, police officers and he was sniping them, right? Extremism is, does not have a network necessarily. That's one distinction, okay? Terrorism is a network. Extremism can be a single individual. Number two, the motivation in terrorism is a political goal. The motivation in extremism often is vengeance, often is uh, somebody has uh, a grievance against somebody or a group. That is the second difference. A network, uh, terrorism is a network and a political goal. Extremism can be an individual and they're more motivated often with a grievance against them and they want revenge. Okay. The third difference and final, terrorism requires innocent civilians, right? Terrorism, network, Political goal, innocent civilians. Extremism can be an individual, is usually motivated by a grievance of some sort. And number three, they want to hurt the person or people who represent the one that hurt him. Not necessarily all innocent civilians. So there, there are these differences and they're distinctions that matter. Uh, they're they're differences with a distinction, actually. Um, they are important to understand. Otherwise, these words can be used to confuse and bamboozle. And also that, that's right. So um, this, this going on by uh, the news media, this is the extent to which they are doing it is the extent to which the news is not covering it. They're working in concert. They're working together. And it's all very illegal. But who will hold them accountable? You've got, we've got right now one party. It's one party. The Democrats have everything in the federal government. You know, um, 
Do you know when you can tell best tell somebody's character when they have full control? That's when you can. If somebody says, "Well, when they're um, <clears throat> in a stressed out environment," or that that's another way. Yes, for sure, I agree. But when somebody has full control, how do they behave? Do they take everything? Do they say, yeah, I know it's illegal, but who's going to stop me? One's character is revealed when one has total control. And that's what we are seeing now. Everything I suspected, we're actually seeing now. I used to say, I used to say that if Democrats could vote, if there were a national plebiscite, right? If there were a national vote and it said, that we want to um, that 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 we want to take all Republicans and send them outside of the United States, kind of like with uh, illegal aliens, right? Uh, if if an illegal alien commits a crime, they should be sent back uh, to where they're from. Would Democrats vote to send all Republicans outside of the United States? I think they would. I think more than 50% of them would. Now, my, my curiosity, my, my suspicion is all coming true. My God, what they want to do to you. They certainly want to criminalize the Republican Party. When Joe Biden said not too terribly long ago uh, that there may not be a Republican Party and everybody laughed at him, I wasn't laughing. Because I knew he was hearing things. And I know that they want to do that. And that they're going to move toward that. But the question is, who's going to stop them? Who's going to stop them if all the Congress members are too scared? All right. Uh, I want you to hear uh, a, a follow-up segment um, of Tucker Carlson. And in this one, he interviews Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald, the journalist. And what he says explains a lot about why we don't see statesmen standing up. And really, this security apparatus, this surveillance state, has happened because, really, the Republicans pushed for it first. But then the courts said, yeah, all this secret stuff is okay. The courts sanctioned it, which is repugnant to the Constitution of the United States. So the courts have sanctioned it, the press now love it, and the only people who can actually stop it are the members of Congress in the House and the Senate. Why don't they do it? Well, that's the subject of this conversation. Let's take a listen to uh, Tucker Carlson and, uh, and Glenn Greenwald right here. In the meantime, we're happy to have one of the very few people in American journalism who understood exactly what was going on long before most of us did and wrote about it extensively. He is Glenn Greenwald. He writes on Substack, and he's a frequent guest on the show. We're honored to say, Glenn, thanks so much for coming on. So I think there are a couple of levels here. I have learned in the last week that in Washington, the fact that the federal government is reading your emails is no big deal, and, and you're like a nutcase for even noting it or being bothered by it. There's no expectation of privacy whatsoever. But I think, and you would know, but the federal law is pretty clear on this, if NSA captures 
information sent privately by an American citizen, they have to keep that citizen's identity secret unless they go through a process to, quote, unmask it. So it seems very clear to me that they did exactly what they're not allowed to do. Yeah, I think there's two important components. One is the first one that you just referenced, which is that if they were doing this perfectly legally, meaning they intercepted your email communications with legal authority because you were talking either to the Russian government, which they obviously are allowed to spy on, or to a target in the United States who you, you were using as an intermediary, and they learned that way that you were communicating with the Russians about the possibility of an interview with Putin, they have the legal obligation to conceal your identity and make sure that nobody knows that you were the one that was speaking to the Russians. The intelligence that they care about is that the Russians were doing something, not with whom they were speaking. So clearly, there was either a failure to hide your identity as required by law, which is illegal, or an attempt to unmask it after it was minimized, which also would be a crime, given that there's no national security justification for doing it. You know, there's something much more serious, Tucker, which is when the NSA spies on American citizens speaking to foreign nationals or foreign officials, even when it's legal, that's a, a very great power. So there are real limits on what they can do with that. It is one of the gravest crimes in the U.S. code to, for the NSA to leak the contents of communications that it intercepts between a foreign official and an American citizen. And I think one of the things that got overlooked is that in 2017, when General Flynn, who was in the crosshairs of the entire deep state under Obama, was speaking with Ambassador, Ambassador Kislyak, they leaked the contents of that communication, intercepted communications between a Russian official and the incoming national security advisor to the Washington Post. It was as grave of a crime as it gets under the U.S. code to this day. Not only don't we know who did the leaking, no one cares because they hate General Flynn. They're, he's not their ideology, and therefore they think it's justified. That's the reaction here. Oh, it's Tucker Carlson. He's a conservative. We don't like him, and so we don't even care if the NSA was doing this, but it is illegal to do either of those two things. Well, and, and Flynn, I mean, and, I don't, and it's not an attack on Flynn or, or anything, but like so many people, he was under attack and he went on the defensive and then he remained silent and he didn't articulate his own case and maybe his lawyers told him not to or something. But if you were persistent in demanding, look, as an American citizen, you may not like my politics, but you're not allowed to violate my rights and break the law. I mean, I wonder if you could force them to admit what happened, and then you could force some accountability. I mean, no one in these agencies, Brennan, Clapper, they lied under oath before Congress. We played the tape a thousand times. Nobody cares. Nobody does anything. Could you actually force the system to hold these unaccountable leaders accountable for once? The problem is there are so many doctrines that the secure, this security state has existed since the end of World War II. They've been operating in secret and with no democratic accountability for eight or nine decades now. Dwight Eisenhower, when he left office, warned the country about the dangers that they pose. So, so many times when people have gone to sue the NSA for illegally spying on them, they have doctrines that they use. They'll say... It's too secret. We can't have courts looking into what we did because that will jeopardize national security and then courts dismiss the lawsuit. Or they'll say, Tucker Carlson can't prove that we actually spied on him, therefore he has no standing to sue, and courts will dismiss that as well. The remedy here is for Congress. It's Congress's responsibility to That's exercise right. oversight how the executive branch spies on people. And for so long, Congress has been either afraid of the, 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 the NSA and the CIA 
CIA or worse, subservient to them. And you're right, it has been the Republican Party along with Democrats, that has long venerated these agencies. And only under Trump did they start to realize, actually, these agencies interfere in our politics and threaten our democracy in really pernicious ways. And it, they need to take that knowledge that they learned over the last five years and use it to get to the bottom of what happened here. So I spoke to, and this is not speculation, it's a conversation I had personally face-to-face -face with I, uh, someone I thought was a very powerful member of the committee that oversees the intelligence agencies in Congress. I can't be more specific, but this is a true story. Two years ago, told me to my face that his communications were being monitored by the intel agencies, the ones that he was supposed to be overseeing and that he didn't dare text me because he knew they were reading his text. And I thought to myself, this system is completely dysfunctional. If the person who's supposed to be holding them accountable is afraid of them, then who's in charge here? It sounds like they are. We, we learned, this is one of the big scandals of the Obama administration, that when the Senate Intelligence Committee was investigating the CIA and their role in the interrogation program at Guantanamo and elsewhere, John Brennan, CIA, spied on the leader of that Senate investigation, which was Dianne Feinstein. The CIA was spying on the Senate as the Senate was investigating the CIA. The, the most significant exchange, I think I've talked about this on your show before, was three days before Trump was inaugurated. Chuck Schumer went on the Rachel Maddow show. And Rachel Maddow was very upset that Trump was insulting the CIA because she loves the CIA. And Chuck Schumer said the thing you're not supposed to say aloud, which is Trump is being stupid because everyone knows that if you challenge the intelligence community, they have six different ways to Sunday to get back at you. And that's exactly what they proceeded to do over the next four years was undermine his administration. People in Washington are petrified of the security state, and that's why they exist with no democratic accountability. Well, we have to push back. And by the way, if they find a meth lab in my basement, that's not real, just so you know. <laughs> just <laughs> All right. All right. So um, just really brave uh, work by Tucker Carlson. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Um, you know, tonight I really wanted to get a few points across to you. And one of them concerning this is when you're when you're frustrated and uh, concerned that nobody in Congress, not nobody, that not enough people in Congress who know this is wrong is do anything about it, or judges who are making crazy decisions, or state legislators who are afraid to stand up. They're, um, you, you've, you've got to do it anyway. Regardless of what they have, uh, regardless of the threats, regardless of the press, who are not the press, remember, they're the PR agency for the Democrat Party that wants to vanquish any competition. It's really scary stuff, but it's our time. It's where we're at. And the most important thing to do initially, I think, is to understand it, to see it clearly, and to see past the layers, right? Which leads to what we talked about earlier with the door-to-door -door vaccination uh, what what um, Biden is calling the the surge response team, and they they want you arguing about the vaccination. But remember, if we lift our gaze and look ahead at what's coming, I think that all of that 
is to keep the climate of crisis continuing through the midterm elections, which are a year and a half away now, so that they can have the same type of elections that they had. This is, they're very good, this, this uniparty, this one party. This is all laid out. They've got the most incredible now uh, marketing teams, to include the news media, who are part of it. And I think that's what we're looking at here. So I hope that I was able to sort of peel back some of the layers and consider what is really happening and why all these things are happening. But they are happening. And if we're going to do anything about it, we have to first understand it. All right, I'm going to wrap up uh, tonight. I may see you back here tomorrow if Chris Ann Hall and J.C. Hall need me. I'll be back here tomorrow with you. And um, again, this is where you can find me if you would like to follow my YouTube page. Uh, I'm much more active, however. The YouTube page is The Bernie Thompson Show. Uh, I've been much more active on Facebook. I don't like it necessarily, and there will certainly be a a, a migration away from Facebook as other alternatives uh, come about. And I'm sure that they are going to come about. And I'm excited for it. Um, I really am, because these platforms are are not providing a service as much as they are uh, working in concert, I believe, with people who don't want you here. Um, anyway, so that's where you can find me for now. Um, and I will wrap it up. And thank you so much for being with me uh, right here on the Chris Ann Hall Show.